Welcome to Bonjola, a podcast about two women, Amy and Rebecca, who each moved from the United States to Europe to become expats, Amy to Spain and Rebecca to France. We're here to share the highs, the lows, and the logistics of this adventure, encourage you to follow your own move abroad dreams, and remind you that you're not alone when the going gets tough. Enjoy! Bonjola, Rebecca! Bonjola, Amy! <laughs> How are you? I, I'm pretty sure I'm fine, but I am in the midst of all of this visa stuff. And so I don't even necessarily know how I am. I'm just kind of moving through the cloud of becoming an expat. That's one of my least favorite parts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know you've been through this part already. Yes, yes. It's, um, yeah. And you've seen me go through this part. I did. It reminded me a lot when you were going through it. It reminded me of my friends who are like getting married or having a baby where, you know, your friend is a competent person, but they seem to have changed personality a little bit. And I am definitely in that place right now where I'm like, I know I am a competent person, but I am just taking everything day by day and moment by moment. And I don't like it because I am the kind of person who is usually on top of things. I pay bills when you get, you know, when you get the bill, not when the bills do, I'm always ahead of my tasks. And right now it's everything I can do to not miss deadlines. And so far I have not missed any, but I am constantly up against them. And I'm, and I'm making decisions like, yeah, I could pay that bill right now, but I'm out of energy. Like my battery level just drops to zero so quickly right now. Isn't it amazing how the simplest things that you don't think take any energy, you discover actually take energy when there is nothing left to give. I mean, how many years have you been paying your own bills? It's not hard. Yeah. But now it is. And I think that if I were, if I were sending out a message to our listeners today, it would really be that like, you are going to feel like a complete idiot. It doesn't mean you are one. I'm assuming, (laughs) because like I said, I'm still in the middle of it. Like I am assuming my brain will come back. Can you, having been, you've gotten to the other side, does the brain come back? Yes. And then you lose it again. It takes a while when you get shipped separately from your body when you leave (laughs) your home country. And it does, it arrives in pieces that have to be assembled (laughs) without an instruction manual. Oh my gosh. I love that. Actually, it's funny because when I was doing some of my um, podcast episodes for creating your happy place, one of the things I learned about was shipping your stuff overseas and that it frequently takes a lot longer than you think it will. And that there can be some real problems like, cause these are un, you know, un temperature controlled shipping containers. And so people's stuff will show up moldy and wet, like crazy stuff. Yeah, so that's not what we're talking about today, and that's also not what we're doing. But I love your your comment about shipping things separately because getting ourselves and our stuff to these other countries is a whole nother topic that we'll have to address. Yes, yes, and then getting our brains on board after we arrive <laughs> because apparently they ship separate. I'm minding. So yeah, so I'm in the middle of trying to get myself to Paris, and we are. Uh, 56 days, 57 days away. You can't 
apply for your French visa. I think Spain's the same way until 90 days before you're going to arrive. Is that the same timeline for, for Spain? What we were told is you have 90 days from when your visa is approved to get out of Dodge. So once the once it is approved by the consulate, uh, you need to leave the country within 90 days. So it's it's similar, but a very different um, logic almost behind it. Yeah. Interesting. Well, we can't apply until 90 days or fewer. So obviously we are well within that window. And uh, this week is a big milestone week because we finally have all of the logistical things in place that we can actually submit for the visa. Cause we were waiting, like we're, we're dismantling our lives. So my husband is selling his company. I was, I closed down the brick and mortar version of my company. And then we had to do a bunch of things. Like we had to actually apply for his school and pay his tuition so that we would get the letter from the school, which is part of the requirements for his student visa. So that was one of the things that like, you can't, it's a hurry up and wait. You cannot do these things until you do these things. So we've got all of that settled now. And my visa, so he's on a student visa, which is pretty dang straightforward. And then I had to choose between like 30 different kinds of visas, which narrows down very quickly. And it really comes down to, are you are you trying to work in France? Or are you not trying to work in France? Like that's kind of your first filter for what kind of visa you're trying to get. And in my situation, it's not super clear what kind of visa I need. My The various people I'm talking to have given me different advice. And so <laughs> I am choosing to follow the advice of my immigration lawyer. And his he has said that since I will be living in France but operating my U.S.-based business with my U.S.-based clients, that he has found that he can write a letter as part of my package or my application that says, I will be living in France and I will be paying taxes in France. I will be on the social system in France, all of which is required. But I am not, basically it comes down to this. I'm not taking a job from a French person and I'm not providing services to French people. And so he said so far, when he's done these kinds of applications, that letter has always been sufficient to allow me to be on a visitor visa, which is different from a work-based visa, where I'd be literally trying to be employed in France by French people, serving French people. Now, this is what I'm doing based on advice I've been given. But like I said, I got totally different advice from other people. So I won't know until I'm on the other side of this, if this advice was good, which is a little terrifying. How long does that visitor visa like last? Because I mean, up until one year, one year. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, So there's, there's different kinds of visitor visas. So up until now, you can go to France for up to um, 90 days. And just show up and be like, I'm here. And they don't care. And there's no visas or anything. Now that is changing. Yes. Yes. I want to say Americans, Americans will now have to apply for a visa to go to Europe. I believe that starts this month if it hasn't started at the first of the year. And I have no idea how that works. Don't ask me because I don't need to know because I'm going for longer than 90 days, which has always required a visa. And so though originally you were applying for a 
business visa, right? Thought I was going to need to do, yeah, a work visa of some kind. Um, I think it was an auto, there's an auto entrepreneur, there's an entrepreneur, there's a couple different levels of entrepreneur. And that's separate from I'm going to go be employed in France. So there's visas for people who are going to get a job. There are visas for people who are, they already have their own business and they're trying to now run that business in France. Like if I was trying to remain an interior designer, but help French people with their homes, that is a very clear cut and dry example of, yes, you need a visa that says I am going to be making my money in in France. France. Essentially competing with French Mm -hmm. citizens. Exactly. Because that's what immigration policy is always about. How do we protect our country, our citizens, their economy? You know, your citizens should always come first. I I totally get that. So hopefully the fact that I am not serving French people and not taking a job from a French person will allow me to work off of this visitor visa. And the visitor visa is pretty straightforward, um, except for the fact that to get it, I have to go in person to the French consulate. And the closest French consulate is in San Francisco. And I live in Seattle. Have you booked your tickets to go see your consulate? No. And this is why it's such a bananas time right now, because you can't book the tickets until you're ready to ask for your appointment. You can't ask for your appointment until you submit all the paperwork. And so just yesterday is when we think we've sent everything over to the lawyer that we're going to need. We're waiting so patiently on his email to be like, okay, now like, here's how you make your appointment, or I have made you appointment. Like, I don't know. Because my little list from him says appointment confirmation at the VFS center. He will obtain this on our behalf. Like, that's what the next thing is. But no, I, I have no control over this experience. So, and I am I'm launching a course for my clients. So every single day, starting on Monday, I am teaching a live course at 9 a.m. and 1 p.m. So at some point, we're going to be taking, until I get all the way to France. So we're going to, our intention is, (laughs) you guys, I'm crazy. I'm sorry. I'm questioning your life choices, like, because at some point that will be disrupted. (laughs) So here's our plan. Okay. So first of all, Damien has a trip to Florida to go see some friends. He makes this trip every year. He's trying to fit one more in. So that happens, I think the last week of January. So that also could get canceled. So, so, and then I've got like eye appointments and, and OBGYN appointments, like all the annual stuff you're supposed to get done. I'm trying to fit all that in. So yes, something is going to get rescheduled. Our intention is to drive to San Francisco so that we can pull over into Starbucks's on the way, bring our cat with us as part of our carrier training, get to the San Francisco, do the consulate stuff and drive home. You know, I love that I'm putting this out there because I'm very curious to see how this all actually plays out. (laughs) I'm curious as to what our listeners think of your grand plan. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Remind me again how long it takes to, how long are you planning to take to drive from Seattle to San Francisco? Well, my husband is a marathon driver. He is amazing. He loves driving. And he can he can drive for 12 hours. It's really quite amazing. So I guess we'll go as quickly as we can. I don't know. He's told me how long it'll take to get down there. Google Maps will tell us. I don't know. Honestly, 
this is me going, well, here's a loose idea of a plan because I have no control over my life, but I still have to live my life while waiting on everything. I can't, I can't not make an income. Like that's, I'm not independently wealthy. So we just have to make the best plan we can and then adjust it once we get to that bridge. Like I literally cannot cross that bridge until I'm standing in front of that bridge. Right, right. And you never know when you're going to find the bridge or where it's hiding. Yeah. And that's the thing. Yeah. But my advice to everybody, because I don't like the fact that it's 57 days away when we could have technically applied 90 days away. And we, there's lots of reasons why we, you know, it's been an extra month before we could actually submit the package, but definitely collect all of your paperwork as early as you can. It's going to be things like, do you know where a copy of your marriage certificate is? Do you have a copy of your birth certificate? Is your passport going to be good for a long enough time frame that it counts because it has to be good for a certain period of time right. after when you're applying count. So it's, there's a ton of pre-prep that you can do. Um, and also like your financial situation, the more stable you can make that, because one of the things about applying for a non-lucrative and non-working visa is you have to prove that you can financially support yourself. And every country has their rules about what that looks like. Um, and so if you can get your bank accounts, your stock portfolios or whatever, looking really flush and really settled because you're, you're going to be asked for three, three months of bank statements or whatever, all of these things make you lower risk and make the application easier. I mean, we know in real life, people will always give you money when you don't need it. It's a lot easier to get access to things when you don't need them. So the more you can set yourself up to be an independently sustaining person, the easier the application process will be. Right, right. What did you find with all of this? I, well, I don't, how did you need to get the FBI background check as well? No, we did oh, not. Really? So we had to prove to the Spanish government, uh, probably that we weren't drug smugglers would be my guess. Um, and, and we need, because one of the things I've learned after being here is that Spain is one of the import areas for drugs into Europe. Um, <clears throat> I mean, close ties with Latin America, right? There's no language barrier. And, and there are some other reasons why it sort of became the, like the the portal, <laughs> if you will, <laughs> to bring cocaine or whatever, you know, whatever they're producing. Uh, that's hot stuff here. Um, but anyway, side tangent. So we had to prove, <laughs> we had to submit fingerprints to the FBI and have them do a, a federal background check, which they then presented paperwork saying, yeah, you've got a clean record, you're not criminals, and that has to be submitted to the Spanish government. However, the Spanish government will only consider it valid at the time that we were applying for 90 days. And so there was this convergence of, you know, our lease is up in June, our flight is July, we have to leave within 90 days of um, visa approval, but we can't get the visa approved until we have the FBI background check, which takes four to six weeks after submitting to receive, in which case you receive it and you really actually need to be ready to go within 60 to 90 days or 30 to 60 days because of this like overlap. Now, 
that created a major cluster F for us. And we ended up reapplying because of the window being too short for us to get out because we were trying to stay on top of things and get things done as quickly as possible. And when the website said, you know, when you apply, it's four to six weeks to get this back, expect 14 days for us to process this, you know, so then I'm looking at, okay, two months, I better do this now. And then, and then it came much more quickly. And so then it was like, well, crap, now this thing expires before our flight leaves. Now, since we went through that process, the Spanish government has extended the validity of the FBI background check to six months instead of three, uh, probably because this digital nomad visa caused a massive influx of Americans trying to get in and the logistical nightmare that everybody was experiencing with that short window made them realize, okay, <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll trust that you won't commit a federal crime in, you know, out, outside of that 90 day window. We'll extend it. We'll <laughs> extend it to 180 days. Okay. But it is the timing of all of this that is so fraught with anxiety because you have to do it in a certain order. Certain things trigger other things and then they expire. The biggest thing that has caused me so much anxiety is actually my cat. So you have to get, there's various things for France. It's actually pretty easy. He has to have a microchip that's um, ISO compliant, international compliant. He has to have, (laughs) uh, so he has to have a microchip that's ISO compliant. He has to get a rabies shot after the microchip. And it has, the rabies shot has to be 21 days before we leave. So that's all really straightforward. But he has to get an international health certificate that says, I am a healthy cat, you know, and then the USDA has to sign off on this veteran veterinary certificate. So the vet says this is true and the USDA signs off on it. Some countries accept that digitally. France accepts it only with a wet signature. So it has to be sent to the USDA. They have to mail me back the results, but it cannot happen less than 10 days before we are arriving in France. Right, because your cat could get sick at any moment. Right. When I thought through it, I was like, okay, that makes sense. They're trying to keep sick animals from coming into your country. So I have to find... So first of all, you have to find a vet who does health certificates, which is surprisingly challenging. So get ahead of that if anybody's listening. Then you have to do an an annual visit. They're all the same. They're like, you have to do it in a consult first to make sure that we, you know, it's basically a new client visit. So that's a hundred bucks out of your pocket. And then you go within 10 days. And of course the vet that I go to first is on vacation until four days before I leave. So I've already paid this consult fee. And then I find that out. So I'm like, well, I guess I'll make the appointment. And then I did the the rabbit hole again of like, okay, can I find another vet? So that took six phone calls. I did finally find one who is not on vacation 10 days before I leave. So now I have to repay the new client fee to another vet. This is actually the third time I'll be paying for that stupid visit. And then the health certificate itself is five to $600, depending on who's doing it. Wow. It is no joke. So yeah, the timing, the money, like, well, again, we'll have to, we have to close out this episode, but 
This is not a cheap adventure. There are surprise costs left and right, some little, some big. Yeah. Oh, to be continued, guys. Lesson, save more than you think you need because you're going to need it. <laughs> yeah, start earlier than you think you have to, but not too soon because you may have to redo. Like there's no recipe. No. Good luck. Good no, luck. There's no, there's no formula. And, and you know, this is, yeah, yeah, there's no clear and easy path, even though the instructions are pretty clear and straightforward a lot of the time. That actually in real life means nothing. Yeah, it is the procedure that is the order in which things will pretty much go. But it's like a loose outline. And that's it. And you got to fill in all the content. So next time we meet or sometime in the near future when we meet, hopefully I will tell you that it was all successful. Until then, I'd say we should sign off. So what's our word of the day for getting out of here, Amy? Hasta luego. Hasta luego. All right. What's my French? Uh, a la prochaine fois. Till the next time. Oh, I thought you were going to say Bye, something everyone. foie gras. <laughs> No. Say that one more time. A la prochaine fois, which fois does sound like foie of foie gras. Oh my gosh. I hope (laughs) nobody French is listening to my accent right now. (laughs) So, a la prochaine fois, until the next time. Excelente. Hasta luego. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Bonjola. If you did, the best thing you can do is share it with another person brave enough to move abroad. See you next time.